0: We're going to be going into Acts chapter 4, so as we did finish up Acts chapter 3 last week, um, which Clay, thank you for taking over for me when I was on my deathbed there. Um, I don't really think there's anything that we need to review, we just know that it was the end of uh, Peter's second sermon, uh, which occurred because... um, when they healed the, uh, the lame beggar who was about 40 years old who'd been crippled since youth, since his birth. And so obviously that was a great big um, example, a great big miracle for everybody uh, to witness. And then he preached, and then we're going to go right into chapter 4. But does anyone have any comments about chapter 3 before we move on? Okay. Okay. Um, Before we get going um, Clay would you mind Leading us in a word of
1: prayer
2: Our kind and loving Father We're so very thankful That we can Have this time This opportunity To come together On the first day of the week Look into your words We're thankful for this day of Worship that we'll have Pray Father that our hearts Will be Focused on Learning from your word, our hearts will be focused on offering up worship to you and remembering the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We are so very blessed, Father, and we pray that we will never forget that, that every day we would count our blessings and be thankful. Pray you'll be with us, and the Bible teachers at this hour, at this, through this hour, at this time. And pray you'll be with them, help them to remember the things that they've studied. And pray you'll be with the students and all of us, that is... Bible students, may we continue to reflect, study, and meditate upon these things, and,
0: and apply them to our lives so we might walk closer with you. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, and I'm just realizing, I, I don't know if I'm spoiling some etiquette, because last week you were like, hey, can you do the prayer before class, and other people have asked me before, and I don't ask anybody, I just call on people, so I don't know if I'm missing some etiquette there or not, but um, thank you for that. Uh, So, Acts chapter 4. Let's just start reading in verse 1. Now remember, this was um, pretty much at the close of his second sermon, Peter's second sermon. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed, because they were teaching the people in proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So, obviously, that's a lot of people who believed, so this was obviously a tremendous work that was completed. Um, And then... Of course, Peter and John are arrested. They're detained, and the the key point here, I guess, technically is, and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day before it was already evening. So it's like they really kind of just wanted to question them. The day I maybe put them on trial, I guess, because a trial does take place the next day. But since it's the end of the day, they're just like, okay, well, we'll lock you up. <laughs> Which um, is interesting to me because you would think, oh. They have some stuff we want to talk to them about. Let's just talk to them about it first. But they immediately jump to arresting them. And, you know, that must have been pretty scary for Peter and John. Um, because, you know, just a few weeks ago, Jesus was arrested and then tried and then executed. And here they are preaching at the temple. They're, they're at the gate called Beautiful, where they just healed the, this lame man, and now they're being detained by the same people who detained Jesus. Um, so as strong as their faith was, I mean, that must have been at least a little frightening, I would think, um, if not at least stressful. Um, and one point I do want to bring up is that it's now the Sadducees are getting specifically involved Um And I think it's worth reminding us what the Sadducees believe. Um, So when it says in verse 1, sorry, in verse 2, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. We know that the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. In Acts 23.8, I think it gives us a really good, just all-inclusive reminder of what the Sadducees believe. It says... For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So the Pharisees, of course, would have been okay with at least the idea of a resurrection. They just weren't okay with Jesus. But the Sadducees are just like, well, this is completely foreign to us in terms of what we believe. And um, I, I just find that very interesting and worth bringing up. Because it's like they were—they were just really triggered by this, them talking about Jesus returning from the dead. Um, does anyone else have any comments just about this brief section? I know this is pretty straightforward. Chris,
3: I really appreciate your observation there because, again, the Pharisees and Sadducees are not authorized, but yet they accepted each other in terms of having leadership, and they tolerated huge differences
1: in, in doctrine.
3: But yet, as you point out, they're so affected by what's being taught here, and there's no effort to try to uh, convince the crowd about what the truth is or any type of reasoning or logic. It's simply, let's just get these guys out of here. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really appreciate you bringing that up for you know,
0: mm-hmm. and, and we're going to see that in the, in the trial the very next day. It's almost the same thing. Just stop talking. We're not even going to discuss this. Um, because they can't argue against what's being made. But, you know, how many, how many times have we been in a situation where someone tells us something that is true, and we refuse to believe it, perhaps out of stubbornness, and then eventually we'll come around, um, Lord willing, because we are all here, but, um, you know, I've, I've been in that position where I'm like, no, that can't be right, you're, you're just wrong, I don't want to talk about it anymore, and then later you're like, well, okay, they had a point because of this and this and this. And, you um, you know and we'll we'll learn, I think later in Acts, it's kind of just a almost a brief footnote, but these some of these Sadducees, some of the Pharisees, some of the same group will be converted. So every little bit of example that we can give, every thing that Peter and John say, even if it affects them much later, can help. So that's worth remembering, I think. Um, anyone else? Yes, sir.
4: I agree with Chris, that was a great point you brought up uh, about Sadducees. But I'm also thinking about what was uh, uh, just, reminded about what was spoken in chapter 3. How many times would you tell them, you and your leaders put Christ and put this Jesus to death? Mm -hmm. It was repeated, repeated. Put it in their heart. You did this. And I can also see that another thing there would would make them greatly upset because I'm saying, thank you for showing that. This is what you did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right, because I mean, they, they are continually talking about this. You guys did this. This is definitely not new information. Now, they are at the temple, whereas at the first sermon, they were like outside the house, or maybe even partially in the house, I don't know, um, where the Holy Spirit came upon them and, you know, they spoke in tongues and everything. So, um, we don't know exactly the groups that were at each event. Uh, There may have been a mixture, but of course, I think um, it's safe to say that probably members of the Sanhedrin were at the temple group and probably not at the other place. And there is kind of incidentally a contrast between um, the first and second sermon, because in the first sermon, people came to them because they were interested, oh, what was this noise? Because the Holy Spirit fell on them and it was a great noise, like shook the house. And people came to see what was going on, and then they learned some information now Peter and John are going to them in a sense. They're going to the temple at Solomon's Portico <coughs> uh, pretty soon. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean at the gate called Beautiful. Um, and um, now they're essentially in the Jews' territory, because that's the Jews' holy place, and now they're speaking and spreading information. Um, I don't know, it's just interesting to think about. Obviously, it doesn't really. Ultimately, mean anything because people are still getting the message, and that's good. Uh, but I think there's an example of boldness when you go to the temple and you start speaking these things. Uh, Bob, did I see your hand? Yeah. In, uh,
4: in light of what is going on currently, you know, in our country or in the world, and then you look at this passage here, he, as Chris pointed out, you pointed out that they are enemies of each other, you they have to join together. Mm-hmm. And what is Happening is there is no free speech in, in certain areas. So these leaders, uh, it's their speech, their way, uh, and no free speech. And it's interesting now as we go through the book of how the gospel in 30 years was taken into the whole world. And so free speech ended up ruling with people that have courage and commitment and uh, they
0: yeah. understand that they're going to the system and yeah, that's that's an interesting point you bring up about free speech. Not to sound patriotic, but I think people always end up choosing free speech in the end. I was just
4: going to add that sometimes I have to catch myself
0: and, you know, oh, speech. You know,
4: I'm allowed
0: to say that. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, it looks real great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just In previous jobs I've had, or, you know, going to public spaces, you're always thinking you can't talk about it. And, uh, we you really shouldn't Have to limit ourselves in that way. Um, Anyone else? Kim. You know, something
5: that that strikes me in this chapter is, you know, in verse three, they're laying their hands on them. They're literally trying to to do everything they can to scare it out
1: of them.
5: Like, if we can scare them good enough here, maybe they'll stop and we won't,
4: you know, have to do anything else.
1: And then the
5: contrast of how they're
4: described, the confidence, we're going to
5: get to in a minute in verse 13, their confidence. And then even in verse 21, they make the comment that when they had
1: threatened them further, which means they were threatening them now, most Mm -hmm. likely, too. Oh, yeah. And they were doing everything they could in their disposal just to get them to be scared
5: enough to run off and and give this whole thing up. And and yet we see them so bold and
1: and confident. It's just a strike, such a Mm -hmm. powerful
0: image. Yeah, thank you for specifically pointing out that they laid hands on them. Because, I mean, this is just four verses, so it's pretty quick. And it doesn't specifically say, you know, what anyone said or did in that moment, but, I mean, usually laying your hands on someone is not the first thing you do. So they probably already, were already telling them, please stop. Go away. We don't want any of this, um, probably in a less nice way, but um, then the idea of Peter and John just refusing to stop. This is the truth, and we have to speak the truth. And of course that boldness is going to continue on to the next day. Um, Frank, did you have a hand in?
4: Just a, a real quick note. Um, I know a lot of different translations will put footnotes in about different things and so on. And I always try to read those because sometimes it clarifies what the book is talking about. And here in verse two, uh in verse two, it says uh, they're teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus. Resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. In my translation, it has a footnote that translates that in Jesus to in the case of Jesus. So mm-hmm. it gives you more specific specificity, specific mm-hmm. whatever that word it means, it more specific. Uh, so it's not just generally we're teaching it, and by the way, Jesus is one of those types things. It's like this is all about Jesus. Right. And, you know, here's the whole focus mm-hmm. of this raising from the dead. I
1: just
0: I just find that very kind of in many cases. Mm. Well, thank you for pointing that out, because, uh, yeah, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, hey, there's a footnote, <laughs> and I looked at it, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that's interesting. So, thank you. Um, okay, so let's uh, move on to verse 5. <clears> on <throat> um, the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, And Annas the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Um, So I just want to stop right there really quick. Um, That's a fair question, really, if you're just trying to get information, right? But... They really could have very easily asked them that the previous day. Remember, this is the next day Peter and John have been in prison all night um, so that they can be detained for questioning the next day. But that's such a simple question. Um, It could be an honest question. Well, tell me more about this. What's going on? But the method that they're going about finding the truth is evidence that they're really not interested because they're going to get the answer and they're going to deny it right away. Um, Just something to keep in mind. Um, And then continuing on in verse 7. Sorry, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Ruler and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man... As to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name,
1: excuse me
0: by this name, this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name, no other name under heaven, that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So their message isn't really changing, is it? Um, they're just kind of they're in a high stress environment. They're on trial, um, presumably in the same room that Jesus was questioned just a few weeks before, and in which Peter ended up denying Christ. And now Peter's speaking boldly. He is not denying Christ. He's doubling down on it. Um, sometimes when I talk to people about the gospel or different beliefs um, about the Bible, um, I do unfortunately have the habit of I'll, I'll say one thing and then I'll almost subconsciously soften it when I go back to it, when I ask for clarification, because I'm worried about offending And that's obviously not something I should be doing. Um, And I think it would have been a great temptation for Peter and John to do the same thing, because they're in a high-stress environment. They're surrounded by people who just a few weeks earlier um, condemned Jesus to death. And they're they're in the exact same situation, essentially. The only difference is that it doesn't say anything about them being beaten or mocked mercilessly. They're just being questioned. But this would have been possibly a good temptation for Peter, a a trial, if you will, for him to deny Christ again, to get out of the situation. But he doesn't do that. He's bold. And I I want to point out the key here that it specifically mentions that he's speaking filled with the Holy Spirit. He has the great comforter with him that was promised by Christ. And not to say that he doesn't have
5: his own agency, of course, um, but that's obviously a source of help, and it's also helping him to speak truth accurately. And, and probably a very good reason why, in verse eleven, he ends up
2: um, quoting about the stone that was rejected, the chief cornerstone. Uh, say what? Have your thoughts before I do. But. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, that with your comments, it's, it's a lot of times today when we see different things happen, people will say something and then the pressure hits them and then they'll start walking back in comments. We see this happen in the media all the time. We see this happen with politicians and and there are
1: very few people that will kind of double down on, on their boldness and say, well, no, this
2: is the way it is. You know, it's a fear of any kind of retribution or Or punishment, loss of money and support, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, Peter's completely focused on what's right and what needs to be said. And he's going to say it. And and, and it goes back to, you know, he's got that confidence that we can have through our knowledge of the Scriptures. He has the Holy Spirit. We can have that confidence by understanding the Scriptures with the Spirit, which the Spirit has provided for us. And, And we can have that boldness today. But, but there's going to be that temptation to there's going to be that temptation you know to walk things back when the pressure hits yeah. and, and you know we I think it's uh, the sets a good example to us right
3: so, um, I think it's not a good yeah and and you made the point too about uh, his free agency his free moral will choice here because again we know that later on in Galatians he's going to fail. Uh, and, and we know, as you pointed out earlier, he's going to fail. So having the Holy Spirit does not guarantee that he'd make the right choice, but he did in the circumstance. And it's a reminder about we can be successful. And if we're successful, it should help us. But we're still human. And at the right moment, the right circumstance, what you brought earlier about bending people. Well, in this case, uh, you know, it was a different audience than what he's going to face in Galatians. And I also couldn't help but think about John standing by, who was... That James and John Sons of Thunder and he asked for the, the best seat uh, next, next to God, next to Christ and, and he's witnessing this and now he's really learning what it means <laughs> to ask for that position and, and both of them are doing it by this, this free will choice as you suggested uh, so, so the Holy Spirit we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us but we have to allow some of our will and if we do so then you know I mean I don't want to say sticking to the script, but he's allowing the Holy Spirit to work properly, where the message is being communicated clearly what the Holy Spirit wants to do Right, thank you. and uh, it's gonna. I think what you're saying is right. When the Holy Spirit using the Holy Spirit to communicate properly uh, when you're using it as a tool. I don't know, but um, it's gonna say elsewhere that
1: we, oh, they we understand if these are
5: uneducated men, but, again yet he's speaking. With such eloquence, uh, speaking with such
3: knowledge and that's going to be no well and you're right and, and the point is that's the same thing for us so we have access to information revealed by God through the Holy Spirit but we can choose not to use it or we can allow it to speak for itself and present it properly and then that, that takes the pressure off a little bit because we're clearly presenting what God wanted to communicate and I think that's
5: a, that's a key point right that we didn't choose use Jesus just like Peter, who to do
4: ignore all his Um which would have been to the be death. Um, because... One thing we think we look at this too, I mean, the there's uh, a completely different type of atmosphere than when Jesus was there. Jesus was there um, basically as a lamb led to the slaughter. So it wasn't a time for Jesus to defend or to proclaim or any, or any of that. And I noticed in the verses before this, you know, even though they laid hands on them and arrested them as it were, and brought them, and brought them before the castle. And, and all of this, they, 5,000 men believed and were baptized. You know what I mean? So so there was already uh, their preaching or their teaching was, was going out. And it was a different type of atmosphere that we talked about. I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes about the fact that they were marveled at the fact that these who these men were, and how they spoke, and the fact that they must have been with Jesus, so they recognized this this promise. But I think what, what makes uh, Peter so strong here, and the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit gave him conviction. And I think that's what carries us today. We, you know, We There's knowledge, knowledge, but with knowledge comes conviction, and when you have conviction you're going to proclaim and you're not going to be afraid and you're not going to back down, and you're not because your conviction wavers. Then then maybe you'll step backwards. And, but with the knowledge of the Holy Spirit that was given to Peter, his conviction was strong, and he was able to stand forth and speak boldly. And I think that's the difference here. Uh, and the Holy Spirit coming to the apostles and the preaching and teaching that was, that was going out this, from this time period, or is it fact. They have conviction because they truly believe and understood.
5: And, and that's what it takes to well, and I think also, adding on to that, you know, when very recently before, you know, tongues of fire on our heads, that's also conviction, too. I mean, they,
3: they, they had that extreme comfort from the Holy Spirit, something that we don't
5: witness do in the same way, but you have this earlier.
4: Well, the scriptures bring us conviction. Yeah. If we truly believe and we and we read and we understand and we absorb that knowledge, we can have that same strong conviction that, that Peter had. Right. And we can stand just as boldly as he did. i was going to say that here. Peter, he, he's learning a lot, and uh, he's not defending he himself. He took all all the. Take, we can use this as an example. It takes the pressure off of us in and in confrontation. He could, took himself out of the way and put Jesus. So Jesus becomes now his advocate. He's going to really defend him in, in, in the way in later revelation, so forth. But, um, and so we can, we have that example just to point We have a choice. You know, we can we can listen to how the the Spirit took him. Those that love and uh, we have a choice and uh, I find that when I remember to do that it's just it's just so common it's just you have a confidence and you hold because it's not your word it's not we're not in
1: confrontation with them it's when they have a, a discussion or an argument take it over
4: Jesus and that's the bottom line you know what you have to say is to with the scriptures
5: I just showed you the way. I just pointed out. I like the way he said that but, um, he was relying on Jesus as an advocate for him, uh, because Jesus is our to uh, the father. He's you know through through a game we have to forgive this, and that's, that's actually a really good reminder to think of him as an advocate, also for what we should. About maybe good news mm-hmm. of the gospel, um, I noticed that the hardest time I have when I'm talking to people is if you don't have a Bible in your button. And it's like, oh well, you no, know, okay, you're, you're mistaken because of this and this, and then they'll they try to occasionally like, okay, well, show me the Bible is a better they Don't have one, but it's somewhere over here. And um, would you like to sit down and think? Yeah, I think mean,
3: the president that's uh, not responsible, or obviously they've studied enough that you can't bring up those packages. Um, it's very helpful. Uh, is he it? Well, just uh, one quick point, which goes to the way you said, I'm sorry, I'm in uh, You know, someone who gives you that response isn't interested, because if they're interested in the truth, they're going to say, okay, well, yeah, let's sit down later in time. They, they just, just want to rebuff it, and as we, we see with these trials, and. I appreciate Joe highlighting some of the differences between the two, but the similarities is, is that this is not meant to be a fact-finding council or, or meeting. It's to push it through as quickly as possible to suppress what they perceived as a problem. So, so they weren't interested in, in, in what the truth was. They were interested in protecting themselves and their position of power. If it was a fact-finding council, it not
5: just talking about the before They wouldn't talk about the question. Yeah, I can read from okay. Did you steal your um uh, so the verse that is referenced, but the stone was rejected by the builders, which became a cheap cornerstone, uh, that is from a song of oh, 118. Okay, yeah, 118. Um, specifically verse 22, the stone which the building rejected, has become the sheep horse stone. this is the Lord's doing it, it's in our bodies, this is the day without the Lord has made but it's to but as a reminder, he's surrounded by, like, like the second, and the scribes are there And so he's referencing this.
4: That's an especially bold claim for, you know, become Jews who, at this time, don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they believe just the one God. And now they're saying, oh, Jesus is the name by which you must be saved. So he's, of course, being up in and in another sense, he's saying, all of you are lost unless you come to Christ. Um, so that's, that's a really unique way of doubling down, um, which I think is a good example for us too, because the column can would be saying that's our negative bandwidth or just stranger down the street.
1: But this is information everyone needs to
5: know. Um, Any comments on that? observations when it's sorry, sandwiches. The uh, Sadducees actually held the majority in the San um, but they were more politically inclined than the Pharisees. This uh, is just some background information that I think is interesting. Um, so they're being very very disturbed by this and they were obviously upset that Christ was but it always seems to be more of a thing. The parasites is a product way more, it seems, unless I'm scared. And it's, I really apologize, I do have a note here, and I'm not sure why I have it. I um, have a note pointing do you to sum to? Can I go to the one? I go the first 25. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay, well let's go ahead and do both uh, of them. So the next section of uh, Acts chapter 4 verses 13 through 31. So We're just going to start reading verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were educated and trying to they were again, they amazed, and began to recognize them. Having a with Jesus. And uh, I just want to stop right there There's a the key words here. They observed, they understood, and they recognized. They understand what they are being told, and they understand that they have the authority because they were with Christ. Um, and they're observing the example here. They're observing the confidence of Peter and John. So, this so, is, of course, all the stuff that we were essentially talking about previously. Uh, just as a reminder, specifically in saying these people who are questioning them understood what was being said. There wasn't really a confusion about it. And the other people they were amazed. But what did they do with that amazement? They just push it away. I think mean, that could be a temptation for all of us. We push away the thing that is a marvel in favor of what is familiar. Verse so 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. So remember, the, the lame man who has been healed in the previous days with them in this, this room were um, then being questioned by his counsel. Um, so he's there, essentially, like he uh, said, so and seeing the man standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. So there's no actual retort here. They can't argue. With the obvious evidence that they had lived. Verse 15, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, Essentially, Peter and John were given God's made a prior to God. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. It's apparent to everybody. Everybody understands what is happening. And we, in this, this council right here, can't deny it. But, so that we will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. So, isn't that interesting? We're getting like a real inside look here. Now, there's no live witnesses to this. In this is absurd. For us through the Holy Spirit, because Peter and John were essentially in another room, this is a, they were referring to themselves, and here they are saying, "You can't deny what just happened. It's an amazing thing. Everyone understands that,
4: but they should stop talking about it." Mike, just what you said is so uncommon in natural life is that. We deny this. We saw that. And everyone believes it. Let's stop. Let's stop what we know is true. And and is right to everyone. Let's see what we can do to stop something. And it's like. Their hearts
2: are so hardened.
4: It's not about. What they saw. Or anything. It's about them. And who they think. What they want to believe
5: matter what surrounds them. That's right. That's right. The, the hearts were incredible. And remember, this is also coming on the back of you know, a few years of Jesus' ministry, where He was performing incredible works throughout the land, and to such a degree that you know thousands would follow Him, and He was welcomed into. Uh, Jerusalem, just so a month before, you know, on Palm Sunday, uh, with a huge crowd, you know, crying out there. And now, and I guess they thought that problem was put away. And now Peter and John are here doing a similar work, speaking boldly in the name of Christ, not in their own And they're still just pushing it away. So, um, at least they seem to have like, gotten to the point where they realize killing somebody somebody's not going to accomplish the goal, but it. I don't know. It's, isn't that interesting? Because kind of, like, you know, like, this isn't this isn't a case of them, you know, being unable to dispute the facts before their eyes, but then they're having questions and like, yeah, but are they being factual about this Jesus? Or you know, what more can I learn about this? This is just okay to stop. I think that's a good reminder for all of us. And speaking on in verse 18, how they decided to warn them not to speak any longer about the name. Verse 18, and when they had summoned them, so Peter and John were summoned back, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give Rather than to God, he did I was going to say more, but that's already a very quick thing. He's pointing out a logical error. If God's commanding them to speak this way, why would they listen to them over God? They are putting Sanhedrin. They're pointing out right now that they are being enemy of God. as they post this word. And in verse twenty-four, we cannot stop speaking about what we have pointing out what we have seen and heard this goes back also to what this council had already admitted they had seen and heard that's old Peter and right? They're conveying many information and they just don't want to in verse 21 when they had threatened and heard it doesn't go into detail what that was about but it's probably not pleasant. they let them go finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what they So, let's stop right there really quick, too. They find no basis on which to furnish them. It's a matter of cases either. No real basis. And, they're, it says on account of the people, they're, again, they're kind of afraid of the people. Um, which is something that was the case just before, when they were conspiring uh, into a there were uh, passages about like, oh, let's not do this third Passover, or, let's you know avoid this earth. everyone's here and So then, there was fear from the people, and I think that's kind of changing to the same thing. Um, but then also,
1: and this is another reason I think they find no basis college function, because they the people were all by God for what happened. But not actually going to take the people away to worship the God, they're glorifying the Father because of the events. And then, uh, of course, uh, verse twenty-two: for the man was more than forty years old, a huge miracle of the and again, just speaking to how amazing the miracle was. And you yeah, know, the thing is, he was brought
5: there probably almost every day. Jesus would have seen him. If you think about that. Jesus had been to the temple before. This man who had been late to birth had been at the temple to day almost every day, him. For 40 years, Jesus passed by him, I didn't he was living the temple. Now that's really interesting to me, because through the foreknowledge of Christ, it makes apparent sense to me that I was preserve this moment and now the gospel has well it has that started I would say and it's, it's just the grand design of what God cares
4: I mean, there's all kinds of things. But here, Peter, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit, he he said he spoke up. He didn't band up one way. And if he went, up, went out on the science, I was thinking, well, now that gives the the other the you know the eagle the upper hand that they silence them. And people are listening to this, what are they looking do? So they're they're in, in front of all these people, whatever who the lives there. They're going forward with it. And it's a great example to us if we're in that similar situation. Uh, she's decided or she'll speak and say, I, I can't I can't uh, speak with way Jesus commands me to speak. Uh,
2: <laughs> so, that's where we have to draw the line and uh, there's, there's a spiritual there's, there's war going on in seas. Yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. I think about that too. When I fight, oh, yes, I shouldn't talk about that. Or, uh, no, is there a way it's not to about that Or you know, all these other problems we put on ourselves, and the answers is just continue on. But yeah, I just thinking about that same passage. Now, there's a very important principle established here that that God has to come first, and and you know, when He says whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You know, I think about Daniel and how that decree had been passed that you can't pray to anyone, you know. But he went and prayed. You know, he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. And and so, yeah. Well, in a specific context, it's about you know speaking to things which they've seen and heard. But there's an important principle here that God has to come first. And just because people in power are saying, well, you can't do that. Oh, I've got to side with what the Bible teaches and what God says. And that's got to be always at the forefront of my mind and, and have that strong conviction like we've talked about to carry that on. Yeah, And then, of course, we're out of time, but like, I like it about Daniel. He's, he's an interesting figure, period. But like the idea that he prays three times a day, you know, publicly, so that people can see him, um, I mean, he probably could have he did away I mean, that would have been pleasing to the Lord, but he also chose to be a whole example and there was nothing wrong with the fact that he did it for a really good So, okay, well thank you all for your comments, um, next week we will pick up, still in Acts chapter 4, and we'll go over, uh, uh verses 25.